Hello, and welcome to the Purdue Commercial AgCast from the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture. I'm Dr. Brady Brewer, and I'm faculty in the Department of Agricultural Economics. And joining me today is Dr. Maria Marshall. Um, she is a professor and the director of the Purdue Institute for Family Business. And on today's podcast, we are going to be focusing on transition planning, which is um, an important topic to keep the farm going throughout multiple generations or just have a plan to um, keep the farm you know, operating in times when there, you do need to uh, have succession. So I do want to just give a quick uh, informational tidbit here. Any of the information we uh, discuss on today's episode, you can find on the Purdue Institute for Family Businesses website. Uh, to get to that website, you can go to purdue.ag backslash fambiz, and that's F-A-M-B-I-Z. Once again, that's purdue.ag slash fambiz, or you can go to the Purdue Ag Econ website and click on the center tab and then click on the Purdue Institute for Family Business. So with that, Maria, welcome to the podcast. Do you want to give a quick introduction to yourself for those listening? Sure. Thanks, Brady. Um, so I am the director of the Purdue Institute for Family Business, and um, I have a research extension and teaching appointment around family management. Uh, you could call it uh, kind of the family part of farm management is how kind of I would maybe describe it. I do a lot of stuff and research on succession, on managing a family business well. Um, I like to think that we like to um, worry or help people around the three C's which is a, a helping business owning families, farm families keep control of their farms through greater competence and family cohesion. So that's kind of um, all my focus you'll see is around those three things. Now let's, I, I do want to take a quick moment before we get into the actual topic of farm transition planning. Um, the, the terminology, um, family business, because I know you have some views around that and, and farms fall into that. So what is your definition when we say family business? So my definition is when a family, and usually it's more than one member of the family, control a business. Um, it's regardless of size. Um, and if you want the family definition from ERS, <laughs> would be if you've got more than one family member owning a business, which is 98% of all farms, right, or family businesses. So you can see why I would be interested in this topic being an agric agricultural economist. So that's my definition is two or more members of a business of a family own a business. So a lot of times, though, um, you might have a sole proprietor, and they might be a sole owner, but the family has a lot of a lot at stake because of that business, right? We might not sometimes classify it as a family business, but it needs a lot of family resources to get that up and running. So a new entrepreneur starting up, including, you know, um, Steve Jobs, um, all of the Microsoft, all the big entrepreneurs we think of started in their parents' garage, needing family to get started. So nobody starts a business by themselves. And so to me, family is a big component of running any business. Oh, most definitely. And, and you know, if you look at the data, even our uh, large commercial uh, producer survey that we do here at Purdue, you know, and we ask people, you know, the number of primary decision makers, you know, the average for most farms is is well above two, somewhere between two and three on average. Some some have four or five decision makers that mm -hmm. are uh, part of the business operations and, and making the strategic decisions. So um, this pretty much affects everyone. And uh, as you said, 98% uh, of farms fall into this. So 
Um, so around farm transition planning, um, let's start, you know, what is, what is a transition plan or what do you guys, when you think about, um, you know, at the Purdue Institute for Family Business, if you're sitting down with, with a farm or, or a family business, what is, what is the, tr- what is the essence of the transition plan? So it falls into two things for us. It's the transfer of management and the transfer of ownership. And those are actually two distinct things. Sometimes they overlap or they will overlap at some point. But a lot of times we see, for example, in farm businesses, you have more of a transfer of management that happens. And then much, much later, a transfer of ownership, right? And so a transition plan would include both of those things. But a lot of times when you think transition or succession, a lot of people concentrate on that management portion and not the ownership portion, either, even though they're very interrelated. And if you don't start thinking about that ownership portion, it's going to have a detrimental effect on the management portion. Yeah. And how often or how long before you think a transition is going to happen, do you advise people to start thinking about it? I mean, these are something that can sometimes take years to happen. Is, is there a set time frame that you guys typically advise? So um, it, it always takes years. <laughs> so the research shows that um, it usually takes between six and 10 years to have a complete succession process happen. Because if you think about it, you start off and you start transferring some management and slowly ownership and somebody starts and let's say they, you start very early for farming and somebody's 25 when they're starting doing a management transfer. Um, And, but the incumbent, it doesn't really, is not really going to get out when they're 50, they're going to get out of the average farm age is what? 67. That's, like 30 years, right? So basically, if you have a that second generation coming in and you're going to take 30 years to kind of get out, if you, if you ever get out, that's actually a 30-year transition in some sense, right? Um, but you can start formally planning when that incumbent says, okay, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm ready. And usually that is a five to 10-year process. Yeah, so this isn't something that's going to happen overnight or, uh, you know, in the case where you bring in a lawyer to draw up documents that make it, you know, stand up in legal court. This isn't something you want to wait till, uh, you know, there's a pressing deadline to do. You want to be thinking about this way far in advance um, because these take time. Um, So on on that train of thought in terms of thinking Mm -hmm. about common issues that arise with transitions, you know, before we get into the how-to and some of the basics of what you need to think about for transition, what are some of the issues that arise with um, transition planning? So I'll tell you that the number one issue is a family (laughs) relations issue. Rarely is the issue that keeps a transition stuck is a legal form of ownership, even though everybody wants to talk about that first. So whether you're an LLC or a sole proprietor or an S-Corp, that's not the barrier to a transition or a succession process, basically. It's usually that the goals are not aligned. Um, People have different visions of how they're going to enter or exit and everything in between. So usually it's that kind of family business management component um, than it is kind of that legal structure. Yeah, family... uh... The, the social aspect of this, I don't think can be understated at all because, you know, these are, you know, we're talking about farms that are typically held within family units. 
right? That a family unit, um, blood relatives or uh, mm-hmm. own the vast majority of the assets for a particular farm. And that's typically the goal in transition planning is to keep a farm within a family. But sometimes there could be disagreements that come up of how assets are split, how you bring up the other side of it, not just the physical assets, but the management who has control over it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there's a lot of disagreement there and that causes tensions within within families that um, make this a tricky and difficult subject. Sure. Um, I think when you think about, uh, so if you have a farm that usually gets transferred, owner, manager, owner, manager, one owner, sole proprietor to sole proprietor, but then you've got two kids. So now they're going to be a sibling partnership, right? Let's say that's the second generation. Now the third generation are cousins. That's a cousin consortium. I always have this thing about more people, more problems. (laughs) It's like more money, more problems. Um, So that the more people you have to get on the same page, looking in the same direction, the more governance you kind of need um, in terms of what do we envision? How are we going to get there? How do we operationalize that? as a family and as a business, right? And try making sure that the, the business as a whole gets, gets transferred over, not just parts of the land, right? So what you're seeing is a lot of times farms get just split up, right? So that would be a transition that hasn't, they've actually just split the business. If you had a construction business and you were splitting, you know, between residential and commercial, you would have split that business in two. So that's basically what you're doing is you're splitting one business that was a whole into two, and so we are trying to get people to be able to keep that whole by actually managing that kind of dynamics first. But you have to have like goal set and think about envision what you would like this, how you would like it to happen. Then go to a lawyer to be able to say, this is what we envision. What do we need to put in place to get that done? So, um, so the goal setting, I, I think that's where um, I've heard some transition uh, talks in the past where either lawyers or, or economists um, you know, kind of lay out the steps for that. And that's typically where they start, right? Uh, you know, first you, you have to determine um, the primary decision makers who own the assets and stuff like uh, that own the assets of the farm. Mm-hmm. That's typically the first step, right? Set the goals. What, what are you actually trying to accomplish here? Is it keeping it the family or is it just keeping it operational? So after that, so you bring up the lawyer. Do you recommend hiring third-party outside counsel to um, navigate through this, this process of transition planning, or is that not always needed? Um, I think at some point you might need it because you're going to need some, maybe some structures changed or some kind of legal documents. But I think the visioning process does not necessarily need a lawyer to be part of that process. And maybe at two, $300 an hour, you want to envision things <laughs> at a cheaper rate by being on the same page, right? Arguing at the lawyer's office is not the right place or bankers, right, or in any of those places, is thinking about, okay, whose objectives take primary process? Is it the incumbents or the successors' objectives? Which ones take priority? What are we thinking of? How do we envision this going forward um, for all of the different generations? So one of our research when we, we did on succession planning showed that the incumbents had a lot, a lot of plans in place. And then when we asked them, did you tell that to the successor? They're like, nope. So not, not right. So a lot of people have succession plans in place, but they haven't really talked through the process where their successor. So that's not a succession plan. That's kind of your own 
perception of what you think might happen. And 30% of the people we surveyed said that, yeah, they got the farm, but they weren't happy about the process, but they got the farm. So that's not a successful process. You want to still be talking to your siblings and your cousins. So that's a pretty key point is that this has to be a joint mutual um, process, right? You can't leave someone who's, who's a part of it out in, in the dark, or otherwise it's going to end up uh, bad for one party in the transaction. Yeah, and it does take a while. So you are going to be transferring management and ownership, particularly in farms, on a long-term basis. So you have to think about what you're transferring at what time. So a lot of times we see a management transfer, but it takes so long for the some of that ownership to be transferring, or there's not any real specifics on transferring the ownership, that you start to have actual resentment from the successor side, because here they are, they're adding equity, they're doing all this stuff to make everything more profitable. And by the time they get ownership, they're going to have to, that value of the farm or that business has increased. And so, but they have no idea when they're actually going to get that, when they're going to buy, either they have to buy in or what that, what that process is going to look like. So really communicating on both of those things is really important. So we use a roadmap actually to get people to think about what's the timing of these things. So what about the, the instance where maybe you know that there is a successor that won't be fully on board with the plan that you're creating? If, if you're the current owner of, of the family business or the farm and you know you have a successor that maybe isn't getting as much or won't have as much control once the succession happens, how, any advice in that scenario? In terms of you have multiple successors and one doesn't doesn't agree. Yep. Um, well, I mean, in one sense, the incumbent is the one who's starting and owns the business, um, and uh, fair is not always equitable, and vice versa. And a lot of times, we think we have people think about what is their definition of fairness for their family? Is they give everybody according to their needs, according to their contribution? Um, if one is not going to farm and one is going to farm, are there other ways that you can compensate the other non-farming one without having being detrimental to the farm? And we have to call a spade a spade that you don't owe your kids everything. <laughs> it is yours too. If you have, that's where this goal and envisioning what it is, you're, you know, you, you could go with nothing and give people nothing. Um, and no, that's hard. That's kind of a hard thing to hear, but your parents really don't owe you their business. Yeah. Um, and so thinking about what's best for the business sometimes will mean that somebody will have to do something else. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think you said it best. It's easy for us to say, say it here on, on, you know, this podcast, but it, it becomes a lot more real when it's a family member and you're saying, Hey, you know, there's another successor that's probably going to get more either monetarily or, or control wise than you are, but here's our reasons. And that's a very tough and difficult mm -hmm. conversation to have. Um, but I do like that phrase that you said, uh, fair isn't always equal and equal isn't always fair. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, one of the, one of the previous talks I heard from someone, they were talking about, you know, the, the example you gave where you have a successor that isn't coming back to the farm. Maybe they moved away from it for, for job reasons or other reasons. Um, you know, th they're not coming back to the farm and you have another successor that is going to take over management responsibilities of the farm. The example they gave was 
uh, you know, a lot of times the person that's coming back to the farm, they're going to get tractors or other capital assets. And the, a lot of times we think, okay, the, the value of the tractors and the equipment add up to X dollar amount. So that means that the successor that isn't getting farm assets, right? We're going to give them some either investments or cash or some other type of liquid mm-hmm. assets that can be easily transferred. The value doesn't have to add up to the same because one is a depreciable assets, right? And the person that's getting the, the tractors, they're never going to realize that value. Um, they're going to use it, but it's not like they're going to turn around and sell that tractor. So a lot of, there's a lot of nuances here when you think about Mm -hmm. those scenarios. Um, And and I think that's another good point. Transition planning is not a one size fits all. And that's why that goal, the the goals at the beginning that you said are are absolutely imperative Um, because that's going to help provide that roadmap that, that you talk about it and really make it a lot easier and to think through some of these scenarios. And the thing is that you shouldn't be waiting until your children are adults to start thinking about these things. If it's truly a family business, they've probably not been on the tractor with you, been a tons of things on the farm with you. You should be talking about transition and process um, way before. It's like um, if you want your children to be able to do complicated um Uh, look at complicated situations, right? And be decision makers on par with you. But they've never, as a family, made any decisions. Like you said, where are we going on vacation? And they don't never, you know, you never talk to them about it, right? Um, It's hard then to transition both as an incumbent and a successor to be one-on-one on par with, with the father or the mother, right? So it's like, you have to cultivate this kind of like, well, this is the way that we make decisions, we're open to people's opinions and we make decisions because that's how you have hard conversations. It's have hard to have the first hard conversation of your family to be that. <laughs> or, you know, like I say, when you're, when they're getting married and you're like, well, you need to have a prenup. Well, you've never talked about that before. That is a, actually a business protection mechanism it has nothing to do with somebody's marriage. But when you do it, when they tell you they're going to get married, now all of a sudden you say, well, I thought you liked so-and-so. I like thought you liked Susie. I thought you liked Ben. Why are you asking me for a prenup now? Right? So those are things that you have to um, think about way ahead of time. And if you think the most successful, long-running family businesses that have been around for centuries have these kind of family governance and family charters where they have how the people make decisions and the things that to protect the business assets, the things that the family has to do. Um, so I'll, I'll add on there. One of the uh, things I've always heard when talking about this and you bring up the marriage aspect and, you know, these are all, uh, you know, I, I love this line of thought because, you know, we're both trained economists, but this is, you know, the, the social aspects of how all this plays together with the economics of, of the businesses is, is fascinating to me. But um, Dr. Shannon Farrell at Oklahoma State, who's an ag lawyer and does a lot of transition planning work, one thing that he always says is never talk uh, this type of business around like the Thanksgiving or Christmas table, right? Because it can catch people off guards and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So always, um, if you're planning, just set them a family meeting, right? Say, okay, yep. you know, this Thursday night, uh, we're going to get together as a family. This, you know, that way no one's caught off guard. You know, you don't go from... Th- thinking about carving the turkey to uh, talking about your inheritance and um, the transition plan of the, the succession plan of the farm. So never, never do this around a holiday. No, be like every other family, argue about politics and religion around Thanksgiving, not about the business. 
you know, it, and we can joke about this, but the, but this is, you know, true, right? Like uh, it, doing stuff like that, you know, doing it around the holidays or stuff like that can, can lead people to be remorseful, you know, or uh, resentful and catch them off guard and, and lead to a worse outcome in this very tricky subject of, of succession planning. Um, yeah, I think you have to think about that when you also, you have people have very different personalities. So you might catch, you might all of a sudden want to talk about something and your child that's an extrovert can talk out loud, but your child that's an introvert needs to process before they, they say all those things. And so who's, you know, you have to put those things of understanding the dynamics of the personalities of the different people at the table and how they need to process information. And so when you do things very spontaneously around something that's super important, you, it's just not going to be good. Okay. So at, we, we've got our goal set. We've got our roadmap set. What's the next step that people need to take? Is this, is this where the outside counsel comes in or is there some intermediary steps here where we need to be thinking once we determine what we want and um, we, we've laid out our roadmap? Yeah, I think you have your goal set, a strategy for the business, and then you want to say, okay, let's talk to a lawyer or tax accountant and talk about what is the best legal structure, what is our best financial position to be able to be able to make this transfer or this succession go. How long is it really going to take us? Can we afford it? Um, can we do it? How long is it going to take for us to afford it? What does the successor need to do? So a lot of times we say you have your roadmap. There's also milestones in that roadmap for both the successor and the incumbent. So let's say that um, you have a farm and you also have real estate on the side, right? And so your successor might say, you know, I'm really interested in the farm. I have no interest in being in real estate. So one of the things that you need to do is to make sure that you're divesting from the real estate or doing something else because I'm only interested in this business, not also being a landlord in other different things. So, uh, or you need to professionalize um, the accounting system before, you know, I really take this over. So there's not only, we tend to think that the milestones are always on the successor side, like you need to buy in, you need to show that you can do this and do that. But there's also milestones on the, incumbent side to make sure that they're doing the things that also the success wants to see done in the business as they go along. And I said this once, and I think it was the Tree Growers Association that, you know, the, you know, you might say to the incumbent, you need to professionalize this. And, you know, I had the second generation's laughing like, yeah, <laughs> that's right. And so it's that it's, so there's milestones that both of them have to think of, of what needs to happen for us to take the next step. Cause at any time you can say, you know, this is not going to work. And we have to think about something else. Remember, it's a plan. It's not set in stone. What about, so we mentioned the lawyer, the tax accountant. Is there any other people that needs to be aware of this transition planning? Do, do bankers typically like to know, especially for the, the successor, right? If you're putting stuff up for equity or, or other things like that for loans, if you're trying to grow the business, is, is there anyone else that needs to be a part of this planning process or at least be made aware of it? For sure, your banker, if you want, you could also actually have a small board that can help you through the process, like a team of people that includes your banker, but also might be somebody who's gone through the process before, um, something, somebody that's not related in some shape or form to your business. So you have to think about it. If you get a lawyer, they have a vested interest in keeping your business. Your banker has a vested interest in keeping your business and your banker has a vested interest in keeping your business. So having another person that has no vested interest, but understands the process 
would be really good to have on the kind of your succession team because there's these, we're economists, so there's agency costs to having people that have vested interests in your business that might not be able to say, hey, Joe Schmo, you're kind of screwing up here. <laughs> you think about this. Um, and so having somebody else that's gone through the process that can either, either help mediate or depending on what you need, um, that would be would be useful. And it and also I'd assume it needs to be someone that all parties in this transaction, in this transition trust, right? Can't right. be um, someone that may be biased uh, to one particular agent or person in, in this process. Right. Otherwise it defeats the purpose of kind of having a team that would help you through the process. Um, so, you know, we could probably talk all day in terms of all the, the little details of how the transition go wrong mm-hmm. and all the different things to think through. Mm-hmm. But what are some of the resources that are on um, the Purdue Institute for Family Businesses webpage that if, if people are thinking about this process right now, that they can go and log on, uh, log on to your guys' website and, and look over? So we have resources on estate and personal financial planning. And you might wonder why personal financial planning, because if you don't have the resources to retire, you won't. And that stops incumbents from actually leaving the farm if they can't retire um, financially. Uh, We've got resources on strategic business planning, right? Because this actually has strategic implications on your business the way you're going to move, grow, expand, or not on your business, on uh, maintaining family bonds, <laughs> you'll find resources there, and then leadership and succession planning. So you'll find resources on all four. We call it the four pieces of the pie. So you'll find resources on all those four areas on our website. Well, Maria, I thank you so much. Um, I think that this has been enlightening, and, and we've probably raised a few more questions that we can answer. But you know, this is an important topic for many people, especially as you know. You mentioned the average age that the USDA ERS puts out of farmers is gets older every year. A lot of farmers are looking to retire and, and transition to the next wave of farmers out there. Uh, but it's it's imperative to you know, have a plan, be able to enact it, all parties agree to it. And, you know, without that, you're not going to have a, um, a happy transition for, you know, of, of the, both the management and the physical asset side uh, of the transition process. So I just want to remind everyone for more economic information, um, please visit us at the Purdue Center for Commercial Ag's website at ag.purdue.edu slash commercial ag. Or for more information on transition planning, go to purdue.ag slash fambiz, and that's F-A-M-B-I-Z, for any of the resources that Maria just mentioned on farm um, succession planning. So on behalf of the Center for Commercial Agriculture and Dr. Maria Marshall, I'm Brady Brewer, and we thank you for listening to this uh, episode.